It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're back inside the cosy and warm environs of Talk Towers this morning, but the view out the window is no less bleak than it has been at Westminster all week. As I predicted, Theresa May has come back from Brussels with nothing more than the clothes she's wearing and the thoughts of resilience in her head. It's actually getting quite boring being right all the time about the ineptitude of this government. As the Tories stagger from one crisis to another and Labour prepare to sharpen their knives for January, the big question everyone is now asking is where do they and we go from here. Fraser Nelson joins us with his predictions for the new year. And don't be surprised if he says a general election might not be too far away. Plus, we'll have some advice for you on avoiding conversations about Brexit and annoying members of your family over the Christmas dinner table. It is a must-listen. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll also be finding out how it is that local authorities are now justifying putting up council tax by over £100 a year per household, and why the BBC's overspent its set budget for EastEnders by £27 million pounds. Yeah, that's right. £27 million for a fictitious soap opera set. Unbelievable. 0344 499 1000. And because it's Friday, time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards. And homage to another brilliant week of broadcasting, mostly in the freezing cold from College Green. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. Very warm and cosy in a studio at Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it might come as no surprise to you that we have reached the end of another week in which basically the government wheels have been spinning. We've had this week's shenanigans in and out of Westminster, in and out of uh, the episode in the uh, 1922 Committee Room 14 in the Houses of Parliament, where Theresa May managed to win a vote of uh, no confidence, in which uh, which kept her alive, kept her prime ministership alive uh, for another few weeks at the very least, certainly kicking the ball through to Christmas. However, uh, come the new year, she has not going to uh, uh, she's not going to be in a position to prepare a new deal for Brexit. She's not going to be in a position to present any new facts for the Brexit argument. She's not going to be able to get the vote through that she cancelled this Tuesday uh, and has to have before January the 21st. We're going to talk now, though, to Fraser Nelson, editor of The Spectator, columnist for The Daily Telegraph. He's written a piece today in which he says the Tories may well have to start thinking about an early preparation for an election, and that's a general election come the new year. Let's find out why. Fraser, very good morning to you. 
Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, it's been two weeks of sort of complete and utter mayhem, really, within the government. Nothing seems to have really happened. Two weeks ago, you know, we had Theresa May saying, look, we've got this deal. Please listen to what we've what we've got. Please uh, debate about it in the Houses of Parliament and let's see how we go. And it hasn't gone at all well. And in fact, not only has it not gone at all well, it's been a complete and utter disaster, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And that's why Theresa May is running out of options. I mean, yeah. she's in Brussels right now. <laughs> saying, please, can you just give me something to improve on this deal to go back to the House of Commons? And they're saying, no, forget it. Yeah. In which case, her deal will not pass. Now, then you've got to work out what the other options are. And sure, you can say that the default is no deal. But a lot of cabinet members now are beginning to worry that if that were to happen, then you'll get some Tories who are so um, against Brexit that they actually might join the Labour Party in bringing down a Tory prime minister and ushering in a new general election. And would they do that with an eye on producing a new leader for the Tory party who they believe would win against Jeremy Corbyn? Well, they would do it with with an idea with a view to getting a referendum. That's the idea. The scenario is that Corbyn says, OK, I propose a new referendum on this. And you get some people now who care about Brexit uh, more than they care about their own party allegiance. We're already having Tories who are talking about giving up the Tory whip. These are MPs who are saying that if Boris Johnson is leader, then I'm not going to be a Tory MP anymore because that's how how strongly I feel about Remain. And you reckon there's about 20 of those, I think, don't you? Yeah, well, the, the people who are involved in this reckon there's 20. Right. Uh, I, I, know, I, I know at least um, six personally. Right. Um, they tell me they've got, they've got 20. But it wouldn't take as many of that to vote with Corbyn in a, a general election. Now, that's a drastic step. But I'm quite surprised to hear that amongst the, amongst the ministers I speak to, this scenario, a few of them are talking about this as being the most likely outcome. Mm. I mean, there are about 30 ways this could go. But one of one of those ways is that she doesn't. It's, it's, the harder it gets to see how her deal passes, the more you got to look at No Deal and what people will do to stop No Deal. And yes. if the general election will stop No Deal, a few Tories would pay that price. Indeed, and the trouble with this whole story from the beginning of it, really, Fraser, for me, is that whenever anybody says, and I've been saying this to MPs all week down on the College Green, when everybody says this is a line that we cannot cross, you know, this is an irrevocable deal that cannot be rescinded. This is definitely a, a, an absolutely no breakable uh, contract that we've got here. Everything always gets broken. Everything always gets changed. And so the rule, for example, that said she can't cancel the vote on Tuesday night without having a vote beforehand apparently turns out to be rubbish. We're now being told by some loyalists to Theresa May that actually um, Parliament cannot take back control uh, of the Brexit process, even if she does lose the vote that she's going to have sometime before January the 21st. And in fact, now we're not even sure if she will have that vote. Well, that's right. I mean, look, I mean, look, she needs to, she might cancel it if she thinks she's going to lose yeah. it, in which case her only option would be to say, OK, I'm, I'm going to head for no deal. But then would she do that? Would you need a new leader? There are so many ways this can go. And that's why it's so incredibly difficult to predict. But it's the EU right now that's saying that there's no way we can reopen this. And that's, it's amazing how close the EU is to a deal. If they were to say to Britain, OK, we're going to grant you the ability to get out of this deal later on if you choose to. In the same way, by the way, that any country can get out of any deal, whether it's NATO membership or EU itself, everybody's got the right to walk away. That's what Theresa May is asking for, and it's not that much. If the EU were to grant her that, her deal would pass. The panic would be over. So tantalisingly close to Theresa May getting what she wants. But the EU today is saying it's completely intransigent on this. It will not bend at all. It wants parliaments to bend. 
and I don't think Parliament will. No, indeed. And again, it's impossible really to tell what's likely to happen, which is terribly frustrating for guys like yourself who are used to at least predicting some stuff. I mean, I'm I'm very happy to predict things are going to go horribly wrong because that's the only thing you can be sure is actually going to happen. But I don't need to make a living out of predicting po- political processes and how things are going to turn out. I mean, if there was going to be an election, for example, in January or February of next year, I mean, how would it go? Do you know? Well, it would be very difficult. For a start, who would lead that election for the Tory party? Theresa May said she wouldn't fight another election, but would they have time to find a new leader? And imagine how that would look. On the Monday, you're calling a general election. On a Tuesday, you're trying to find a new leader for the Tory party to find out who's going to lead that election. The other question for the Tories is what kind of manifesto would Boris Johnson and Anna Subri both sign up to? How could you have a manifesto that will unite the warring tribes other Conservatives. And the Tories would look like a, 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 by the way, have brought three elections in four years. Now, they are not going to be thanked by that for the voters. And they won't be using phrases like strong and stable either, because the Tories are anything but strong and stable. So it's very difficult to see how the Tories would do well in this election, given that their ineptitude will have meant three elections in four years. Right. And the other interesting aspect that you've been uh, tweeting about this morning uh, as well, Fraser, is, you know, the Theresa May longevity factor. You know, she's telling people the next election is not till 2022. Technically correct. Um, but it doesn't sound to me like you're expecting her to hang around that long. Well, no, nobody's expecting her to hang around that long. I mean, the, the, the people who voted for her um, this week to stay only did it because she said that she would leave. And they, so the Tory party is divided between those who want to get rid of her right now, that's about a third of them, and those who want to get rid of her after Brexit, and that's the other two-thirds. Um, so their timetable is, OK, we can't, we can't actually get rid of her until December, but maybe after Brexit in April or May she might quit. I was talking to a cabinet member last night who was saying that if she wants to get, a, if she wants to get the DUP back, that's the coalition partners, she will have to promise to go after Brexit. So she would have to promise to resign in April. Otherwise, the DUP will not come back to the Tories and there won't be a majority. So she is the only one, the only one who's talking about her staying for two or three years. Mm. The rest of the Tories think one year max. But mind you, they've been saying that for a while and she's still there. And indeed, and the last two days when I was down on College Green talking to various Tory MPs, some of whom voted for her uh, the other night, some of whom voted against, they all said, let's see what she comes back from Brussels with. Now, um, they were being incredibly optimistic, as I told them at the time, and I said, I really don't see what she can come back with mm. other than a reworded kind of piece of legal advice to say, well, of course, what we told you before wasn't entirely correct. Uh, nobody's going to be convinced by that. You know, presumably these guys who were giving her the benefit of the doubt yet again will turn uh, if, the come, if, if the end of this day comes and she comes back with nothing. Well, I, the thing about the Tories is that they, they have learned from her when it comes to kicking the can down the road. Yeah. They always like to delay these things, thinking, OK, we'll give her one last chance. I mean, they, as you say, nobody thinks she's seriously going to come back. With Brussels changing their minds on the withdrawal agreement. Um, but still, they want to always make it just not yet. Now, a lot of them are saying, look, Whoever the new leader is, they're going to be contaminated by Brexit if they're installed before Brexit. So it's better for everybody if the new Tory leadership debate, if that happens after Brexit is finished. So that's why they want to stick with her for now. Uh, They know, because they saw what she was like at the last election, that they can't fight another one. But we've also seen this week that when it comes to sticking the knife in, the Tories are not nearly as good as they used to be. Mm. In the old days, they could get rid of a leader over a bank holiday weekend if they wanted to. (laughs) 
And now they're going over the top here, getting re-smog, making statements, and then there's no follow-through. Yeah. So they seem to have lost the knack of regicide. They do seem to have. And also Labour similarly are kind of denuded of their abilities to, uh, to, to go in for the kill, it would seem. You know, I can't work out. I was watching Angela Rayner last night on Question Time. You know, I've listened to Keir Starmer. I've watched Jeremy Corbyn. I can't work out, one, what their policies are on anything, uh, and two, what they want to do about the whole Brexit situation. I mean, you've said Corbyn may ask for a second referendum. Up until now, he said that's not on the table. That's right, because he doesn't want to see... Corbyn doesn't really care about Brexit one way or the other. Uh, I guess his preference is for Brexit, because the EU rules stop him doing what he'd like to do when he gets into power, when Mm. it comes to renationalising and tearing up contracts and things like that. Um, And also, I mean, Corbyn has been quite... uh, He hasn't exactly been punished for being vague about Brexit. He knows full well that um, a good number of Labour voters backed Brexit. If he comes up against it, he's going to be taking them, uh, uh, taking on a lot of them. Right. So that will be his problem when it comes to a new referendum because he knows that while most of his MPs will want it, probably most of the Labour Party voters will not want it. Um, and if you have a general election on that terms, the one thing the Tories will have going for them is they will be the party of Brexit. Their slogan will be finish the job. Yeah. They'll be able to cast Labour as the party that wants to stop Brexit. And all they need is about a, um, about a third of the vote now will get you a majority in the general election. And uh, more than a third of the country back Brexit. So that is the risk for Corbyn. This path to power means playing the game of the remainers. But he's not really a remainer himself. No, indeed. And neither are about half of his voters. And then bizarrely, I mean, the only person who perhaps he could look to as a fellow remainer is Theresa May. Uh, but, you know, that's a, sort of a train that has now left the station. What's your your best bet, uh, Fraser, on the the, the sort of uh, the makeup now of Remain versus Leave? Is it still fifty two forty eight? Has it changed at all? I mean, my sense is is that those who voted to leave are even more uh, sort of steadfast about wanting to leave, um, and and I'm not quite sure whether anybody has joined them from the Remain side. Well, that's right. I mean, it's kind of human nature that if you take a controversial decision, like say you're, you know, a guy up in Manchester, you voted leave, and all of your friends are giving you hassle for it. Yeah. You're not going to turn around two years and say, actually, you guys were right. Yeah. Um, I'm back, remain. If people do tend to stick with positions when they take them, especially in their controversial positions, mm. and that's why the opinion polls show that the country is still pretty much evenly split. I mean, the polls aren't accurate enough to give us an exact, is it 48, 52 or something? But broadly speaking, as many people support Brexit now, according to the opinion polls, as they did right before the referendum. And as we know, the polls tend to understate the support for Brexit. Mm. So, you know, we had Tony Blair in the radio this morning saying, oh, there's so much more information now. People have, have so much more to make a decision on. They should be able to change their minds. But they're asked fairly regularly by opinion polls, have you changed their mind? Yeah. And most of them say they haven't. Oh, so I think it's nonsense as well, Fraser, to say there's more information because whenever you press anybody on that and say, well, which information do you have now that you didn't have? And they go, well, we didn't know there was going to be lorry parks on the M20. We didn't realise that there was going to be stockpiling of medicine and food. Uh, You know, all of these things which haven't actually happened yet, which may be preparations for things that might happen, but they're not things that are happening. Yeah, and that's why the case for a second referendum really falls apart, because nobody really knows. I mean, the reason we're having this conversation is that Theresa May's deal is about to be rejected. We have no idea what kind of Brexit that we're going to get. So just exactly what you say in a second referendum, I don't know. Mm. And also, the, the, the British, you know, we as a country don't like unnecessary elections. We don't like unnecessary referenda. The Tories were really heavily punished last year by bringing in an election when they didn't have to. 
And if there is another referendum, if the government's saying, you guys gave us the wrong answer first time, so please think again, there's going to be an indignance. And I think a lot of the research shows that Leave would win by a bigger margin. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the more thoughtful Remainers that I know in the House of Commons don't want a second referendum because they work out that it will solve absolutely nothing for them. It might make them feel better. It might annoy their Brexiteers. <laughs> but it's very unlikely to change the result. You're absolutely right. Fraser, brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Fraser Nelson, editor of The Spectator, columnist for The Daily Telegraph. He's got a piece in there today uh, warning that we could be on track for an early election. If we are on track for an early election, let's do an early poll. Would you vote Tory or would you vote Labour? Would you care whether they wanted to leave the European Union or not? Should it be, in fact, that we judge the referendum and the election precisely on leave or remain? Can we not please get a binary choice? I know that's a word I don't like to use very often, but there should be a binary choice. Have a general election, but only if one party is for leave and one party is for remain. Let's go to Jordan, uh, who's in Hertfordshire. Hello, Jordan. Hi there, Mike. How are you doing? What do you want to tell us? Oh, I just, uh, I'm not one to normally rant about politics and things on the radio or on, on social media, but someone said something earlier that just sparked something inside of me. They, yeah. they, I, a previous caller said that Great Britain was no longer great. Hmm. And I just, I completely disagree. And, you know, if, if they really think it's not that great, they know where the airports are. And by all means, leave. <laughs> well, where are they going to go, people... though? Where, where are you going to send them? Exactly. Where, where, where is better to live than, than the UK? I mean, if you look, they, everyone has, seems to have these opinions about Brexit and that it's ruining their lives. But if yeah. you look at the actual figures, if you go by an independent forecast of the EY club, growth has dropped 0.1% from 1.4% to 1.3%. Well, it's still growth. It's still a positive... positive Yeah, but you know what depresses me, Jordan, about all of this, is why on earth and where did it start uh, that people can uh, only be happy if they are politically happy? Because, I mean, we've spent our lives, I would have thought, criticising governments, having a go at the various uh, powers that be. It's part of being British is to complain. But to kind of do this constant haranguing of anyone that disagrees with you, haranguing of the powers that be that, that are leading us down into some kind of betrayal situation, people need to lighten up. I think, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And I feel in the same way that we are on the frontier side of um, engineering and science and development, mm. that we're also on the, on, on the frontier with politics. We're the only, you know, we're, we're taking a step that no one else has ever taken before. We should be proud, whether you're a, a Remainer or a Lever, as a country, we're trying to move forward and we should bind together behind the Prime Minister. And I don't think taking her out of her negotiating position after she's been there for two years and built a rapport with the other side, putting someone new in the seat for them to say the exact same thing and not be able to change anything. The EU have already come back and told us that the that the main deal can't change. That's yeah. because we have nothing more to give. Yeah. For them to change on the deal, we have to sacrifice something that we want. And are we going to give them the French fishing in our waters? Or are we going to give Spain back Gibraltar? Are we going to give them more money, more immigration? We have to give something in order for them to give us something in return. Yeah. I don't think people really but also, I think, Jordan, you're, you're going to be somebody that agrees with me on this, that no matter which way it goes, no matter how it turns out, Somehow, you know, the sun will still uh, set, set in the west and rise in the east and, you know, everything will be the same and we will somehow be able to get on the train in the morning and go to work and we'll be able to take our kids on holiday. You know, I don't really see that anything, whichever way it goes, uh, is going to ruin my life at all. No, and I mean, I don't understand what people are afraid of with us leaving, leaving the European Union. I mean, I've been doing my Christmas shopping and every single shop I go to is full of suffering. Yeah. There's endless, endless amounts of food, endless amounts of pleasurable items, endless yeah. amounts of 
things to buy everyone else. I mean, mm. I'm 22 and I have I've got the most money I've ever had. I have I'm in the most stable financial position. I haven't lost any money. Right. Fuel prices might have gone up since Brexit ended, but they were going up anyway because oil, oil was running out. Sure. The exchange rate, rate might have dropped anyway, but it, I'm sure when I'm older, it will go back up again. And I don't think people are really taking... I think people are taking for granted the fact that they live in a country that has... Okay, we've got some economic distress, but... I still get paid every month. Yeah, but we've always always had that. Jill, I'm so pleased that you rang in. I'm so refreshed by your refreshing attitude uh, that I'm going to give you the special uh, Independent Republic Award for Best Caller of the Week. I'll tell you why. Because, you know, you are um, the future. You're 22 years old. You're somebody that gets castigated all the time as being a millennial and somebody's always moaning. And you're the complete opposite of that. So brilliant. Well played to you, Jordan. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio uh, Let's talk to John Mortar who is a social media expert uh, because the Twitter account from Weatherspoon's a parody account is actually rather amusing it's so good and this is how you know it's good that people sometimes think that the tweets have gone out by the official Weatherspoon's people but they of course cancelled their Twitter account uh, amid some publicity a few months back it might have been even a year ago but let's talk to John Mortar uh, and find out what it's all about John a very good afternoon to you Hello Mike How are you? I'm through. I'm a bit cold. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 is, it is very cold. Now, nobody in their right mind, as far as I could tell, uh, would look at the Weatherspoon's parody account and realise that it's not a parody account and think that it was an official one. But why have Weatherspoon's got their knickers in such a twist about this one? Well, you're quite right. Nobody in their right mind would, would realise that that is a real account. Mm. Everybody sane would know that that's a parody. Um, and unfortunately, it's another bizarre... Uh, thing that Weatherspoons have, have done regarding social media, because obviously they, they got rid of all their social media accounts a few months ago, yeah. uh, which was just a bizarre move, absolutely. Although, no, I mean, I seem to remember they got quite a, a good deal of publicity about the fact that they decided no longer to be on Twitter, didn't they? Well, they did, yes, but they also equally got, I would argue, more negative publicity for that because, uh, you know, Twitter is the way a lot of brands speak to their customers. And um, it's essentially like, you know, in the middle of the 1980s or the 90s, cutting all your phone lines off, going, yeah. oh, well, we don't like some of the phone calls we're getting, uh, uh, <laughs> so we're just going to cut, we're going to get rid of the phones. Right. And that's kind of what they've done, which is, it's just, I, I don't get, I don't get what they're doing at all. Right. I mean, according to um, uh, the, the piece I've read, I've read this morning, 40,000-plus followers, 
Fake updates coming under the name Tom from Spoons. Uh, mystery tweeter sometimes uh, posting abusive replies to people. I mean, I, I have to say, uh, I think I follow it, actually, because it's quite a funny account. And as I, as I follow one or two parody accounts, it's not massively a big thing for me, but it's just there's so much bile and hatred and horror on Twitter that it's sometimes nice to see a, a shaft of comedy light. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I follow it too, um, and I follow many parody accounts. And I think parody accounts are uh, not essential, but I, I think they're really, really vital because they can hold the real people to account at times, you know? Right. Um, sometimes a parody actually just shows like a, a mirror up to who they are. And um, I, as I said, I, I follow many parody accounts, and I think they've—I really do think they're vital. And I'm slightly concerned that Twitter have come out and, and have agreed to give the details over. Well, isn't it interesting? Uh, because I mean, Twitter have been at the heart of some of these uh, requests in the past. I mean, they've been in the past requested by the police to hand over details regarding some stuff in America, which they've then refused to do. So the fact that they're now handing over this material is a bit worrying, isn't it? I do think it's worrying. I, I fully agree with you, Mike. Um, when I, I read the news this morning that that, that was what Twitter were going to do, um, yeah, I, I, I really, really find that quite quite worrying. And yeah. it'd be interesting to hear uh, Twitter uh, what what their their you know response is really because uh, you know it, it, it's 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 obviously a parody account. Yes, it's funny. Um, I think anyone in their right mind can see it's a parody. Mm. See, it's not real. And to be honest with you, I think Weatherspoons have, have set themselves up here because. They haven't got an official account with a blue tick, so people right. know that that's the official account. And there's loads of parodies on on Weatherspoons now, including actually, and I don't think it's parody. There is actually an ex-staff members uh, Twitter account from Weatherspoons yeah. that have come out with some very interesting stories. Well, I mean, this is I think what they're, this is what I think they're after, and their barrister apparently, a guy called David Hurst, has claimed that one of the tweets in which we all, which is one I remember, uh, in which it was basically looking. I mean, they write it in such a way that it looks quite official, basically saying that staff would not be wearing poppies around Remembrance Day uh, because they didn't want anybody to think that they were a political organisation. Uh, some guy apparently turned up to their annual general meeting and asked very heated questions about why they, that was their policy, when of course it wasn't, <laughs> you know. I Yes, you're quite right, and um, you do have to question the guy that turned up to their, to their general meeting. You do, really. I think he may have, been in the, may have been in the pub for some time before he made that decision. But, it does I mean, make you wonder. There's nothing to stop somebody else, presumably, from opening up another account. So even if they unmask the person behind this one and shut it down, surely, um, you know, people who have got a sense of humour maybe will, will open 25 different accounts. It's a can of worms that Weatherspoons have opened. I mean, it, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous idea. They've, they've done this. And um, like I said, there's already a good... I counted before I came on air. I thought I'd count them. There's a good 20 to 25 Weatherspoons parody accounts. Mm. Uh, so where does it stop? You know, they, if they get rid of this guy, he'll only come back again. Um, and I wouldn't blame him. I'd probably help him if I'm on his <laughs> but, uh, Well, I mean, one, know, of the other, one of my other favourite ones is the one, uh, I can't remember what it's called, there's several of them, but there's one particularly good one as a parody account of the Queen, you know, who comes out with all sorts yes. of stuff about politics and, you know, has a go at people in Europe, and it's very funny. And, you can, and, it, and, one, and yeah. whenever I read it, I always read it with my best sort of Queen accent on 
because you can just imagine her saying it, you know. But but you know, the serious point, though, is, of course, John, that I still don't know what policy is at Twitter, what their rules actually stand for, because I get from time to time a fair amount of abuse, which is fair enough. I, you know, I give it out. I can take it. But occasionally when somebody says something particularly disgusting or vile or about my kids or my family or anything like that, I tend to report them. But the only thing that seems to get a, a, an account suspended temporarily is if they use the C word, right? If they say anything else, i.e. any other horrible word about me or my children or anything else about uh, uh, about wanting to kill me or do me harm or anything like that, none of that gets uh, a block. But what does get a block is, is the use of the C word. Yeah, I think Twitter needs to clarify further what the actual rules are on their platform because you're right, there, there are some accounts where you really do scratch your head and think, one earth has, has this not been removed? Yeah. Uh, where you, and, and I get it too, you know, I was uh, not quite as in the public eye as yourself, Mike, but uh, 50, you know, I had my 15 minutes of fame uh, about 10 years ago and I still get abuse occasionally. Mm. Now I can take it on the chin, I'm a big boy, but you're right, there's somewhere it just goes too far. And I've had accounts that I've, I've complained about I've emailed them directly about, and nothing's been done about it. Yes. So I, I think Twitter need to just, you know, because it's a great platform. I love using it. They just need to maybe clarify here. They do. Uh, what, what actually is going on, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's still my favourite platform, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm also hearing from an awful lot of people that it's no longer growing, that it's kind of plateaued out, uh, and the number of uh, users are never really going to change now, because effectively, um, if you're not on it already, so that you haven't got loads of followers, you're never really going to get any. Well, um, well I've, the numbers I, I have, or the numbers I've been told, um, it is growing, but at a, a much slower rate than it used to, yeah. yes. Um, now, uh, the people are still joining Twitter, people are still using it. A lot are using Instagram instead, because it's a very similar platform. I, I, I personally don't think Instagram is as good, but that's another story. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... <sighs> It's, it's not going to go away. It's still, to me and to many others, it's the first place you go for, for views and news. Yeah. More than Facebook, more than anywhere. Mm. So I think it's always going to have its use. Um, and yet, as we mentioned at the beginning, for customer service, I think it's vital for a lot of brands. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to, to cut off your nose to spite your face... Weatherspoons. I find it bizarre. I, I really do find yeah. it absolutely bizarre. Because Tim, um, I mean, maybe Tim Martin's got a bit distracted by Brexit, the dreaded B word, because, I mean, he's uh, popping up all over the place now talking about it, isn't he? Maybe he's... Because, I mean, he has worked out a very, very basic and good user-friendly commercial model for, for eating and drinking. Well, he has, yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, interesting that you mentioned Brexit with Tim because um, uh, it is actually an EU copyright directive regarding parody, isn't it? I believe I'll, I'll probably have to sort of do my research is that right? a bit further. Which is, that, yeah, it is. Yeah, so under UK law, which under UK copyright law, yeah. and maybe one of your listeners might correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but uh, uh, we take on EU copyright directives, which means that what this uh, parody account, Weatherspoons UK, is doing. It's, it's fine. It's, it's not breaking any, any UK uh, European laws. Are you saying it? the so, European Union has a better sense of humour than Weatherspoons? I, I think everyone's got a better sense of humour than Weatherspoons, <laughs> Mike, really. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, uh, it's, um, yeah, they're not exactly doing themselves a lot of favours, really, are they? They're really not. And I mean, presumably, they, if they wish to, they could refuse. I mean, if this is an order from a court and the reason they're giving up uh, or are about to give up the identity of the, of the person who operates this account. Um, presumably uh, they could refuse to do that if they wished. 
As far as I'm aware, yes, I believe they could, yes. Uh, but I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not going to put myself into legal hot water on air. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, I think you're right, yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in every case, even in criminal cases, if you wish to not cooperate with the law, uh, you can offer yourself up as a, as a hostage to fortune and you can go to jail. I mean, it's what we've always done in yeah. the newspaper yeah. business where, you know, uh, some people will, will give up their sources, other people won't. And you can be sent to prison for not complying with the order. However, at the end of the day... You know, either you have principles or you don't. Well, that's quite right. And I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes, uh, this particular story, because, um, you know, if this does work and Weatherspoons are successful in unmasking whoever it is, could this bring up a wave of other brands that don't like their parody accounts? Could, this could be a, a real, yeah, a real Pandora's box in the wrong way, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think we have to be careful in what, uh, you know, what happens really. And I think um, Twitter have to be a little careful in what they allow, what they don't allow. I.e., uh, big brands with lots of money saying, "Can we have the, the uh, person who's who's doing this?" funny account that yeah. we don't like you know it yeah. certainly does prove that the law the legal profession and barristers don't have a sense of humor that's for sure which is a very depressing <laughs> thought but john listen thanks very much indeed john Walter, social media expert there, telling us why uh weatherspoons think it's necessary to take a parody account on twitter to court because they say that it's somehow damaging their business This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. I promise not to mention Brexit during this hour. I'll try really, really hard not to. Uh, I've got to tell you about this other great story, though. I mentioned it to Julie Hartley Brewer. Uh, a flight from Seattle to Dallas, right, forced to turn back after a human heart was left on board. Southwest Airlines plane flying over eastern Idaho, right, 600 miles into its journey. Uh, the staff looked down and went, oh, my God, we forgot to drop the heart off in Seattle. So they had to go back. I mean, some poor guy's lying there, or woman, waiting for a heart transplant. Where's your heart? It's just coming. You'll be here in about 10 minutes. Yeah, plane's just landed. Yeah, yeah. No, um, no, it's taken off again, and it's 600 miles away. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, if you, I've lost bags on planes before. You know, I've been on trains and left things behind. But, you know, when you're carrying a human heart, you'd think, I must take this with me when I deplane. What a shambles Southwest Airlines are. Anyway, let's go to Susan in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, um, Susan. How are you? Can we just... I'm fine, thank you. You know, I love the show. I know I you love, do. Listen, I, lo- I love listening to you and all the other wonderful producers and the lovely callers and the, yes. and the stuff we talk about. It's a about. joy. Can, uh, can we please jolly things up? It's Friday. Okay. We've had enough of it. And can we just inject a little bit of joy and joy? Right. What have you got in mind? Please? What have you got in mind? Well, anything, apart from all the stuff that's going on at the moment. All the council tax bills are hiking up. Yes. You know, the, pa- the powers that be are thinking, yeah, you want more coppers on the streets where you can pay for it. Yeah. We're already struggling. Mm. People are struggling. You're not cheering but, me up, Susan. I mean, this is not working so far. Well, darling, you're not cheering me up, sweetheart. The country's not cheering me up. Mm. It's not cheering any of us up, Listen, sweetheart. it's not my job to cheer you up. All I can tell I know, you is darling, this, might, I know. this might cheer you up. I'm feeling a lot warmer than I have been all week because I'm luckily back yeah. in, the, uh, in the home of uh, yeah. talk radio inside a lovely I'm... warm studio. 
I'm very pleased about that because I was worried about you? you getting chill blames. Yeah, I was. I was worried about everybody out mm. there because it, the temperature plunged. It did. Um, sweetheart, what are you going to talk about uh, regarding the council tax? Because I well, I've just like had a long conversation about it. Hmm? I've just had a long conversation about it with Tony Travers, who's a professor. Oh, sorry, I've been, I've been out in the flat. Um, but i tell you what I'd like to do. What would do you, you like to... Listen to... Yeah, go on. You haven't got I'd much like time, though. Put, uh, I'd like to put Jacob Rees-Fogg and Mrs Theresa May and yeah. Boris Bojo all on a council estate for six weeks, Okay. take the car away mm. and ask them to get on with it and reduce their, their, their pay... Why do you want to put them on a council estate? Because well, I know where we're all coming from. OK. Have you got any, any particular estate in mind? No. Okay. Just, just having a stake. Right. Does Jacob Rees-Mogg live in a castle? He does not live in a castle. He lives in a house in London. Yeah, OK. How many bedrooms has he got? I don't know. I've not been in there. Do you remember, do you remember that horrible anarchist who was standing around outside telling his children no, what a horrible man no, he was? No, 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 no. Yeah, that was outside his house. I think it's somewhere in Mayfair or somewhere, Knightsbridge. Really? Yeah. Well, no, I'm not in agreement with bullying or anything like that. Certainly take not. take them all out from where they are hmm. and put them, on a, uh, put them on the ground level where most of us are. Yeah. And they can have these bills coming through the door. Everyone, oh, darling, that's awful. And put Teresa in a care home uh, looking after <laughs> patients. Oh, I thought you meant no, in a care home being looked after. No, <laughs> not as harsh. a patient. As, yeah. as a, as a, as a, she, can, she can help a few people to the toilet and give them their dinner. Oh, Very darling, nice. it's awful, Philip. I need to go. My shoes got splattered. Yes. You know, Don't say it. Don't say awful. it. Yeah. And, and, and I thought we weren't going to talk about Brexit. And we'll ch- we're not talking about Brexit. I'm talking we'll about the powers that be. And we can put G- Jacob Rees-Mogg yeah. in charge of the school dinners and no. he can serve those little horrible monsters when they're throwing potatoes all over the world. Oh, darling, it's awful. We need to get out of this. Is this Britain? I'm mm. afraid it is. No, yeah. I'm afraid it is. Well, it's real life, and isn't it? Can- and it is. And yet they can walk through London at night and, and have... Um, you know, and just see what's going on at ground level. All right. I'm sorry. Have I depressed you? I'm sorry, You darling. have depressed. I thought you were going to cheer me up, Susan. Well, what do you want me to do? How can I cheer you up? I think... I, I, I can't think of anything. I think you have to go. Send you, I'll send you a crunchy bar through the post. I won't be able to eat that, but thank you. Very kind. 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. And now, of course, it's time for the return of producer Con uh, with some more awards. Yes. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of the Glittering Perry Awards, where we look back over another week of the so-called Independent Republic so cool. of Mike Graham. Uh, without further ado, let's find out uh, find out who our favourite moments are from the past seven days and see who's got their hand on these prestigious prizes. Mm. As is tradition... The first one goes to you, Mike. Thank goodness. Uh, always switched on. You win the Perrier for Fast Thinker of the Week. Hopefully, tomorrow's a new day. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I blame the technical uh, difficulties <laughs> well, on it, that one. It wasn't just that time either. <laughs> he doesn't get it at all, does he? He doesn't get the fact. He doesn't seem to. This woman has had two and a half years to negotiate this deal, and she has failed utterly and reduced this country to this unedifying spectacle. Yes. <laughs> you see, that's entirely unfair. 
because you're hoisting me with my own petard. Never mind. Well, uh, I don't mind. As long as it's an award, I'm quite happy. Yeah, well, you have spoken a lot uh, today about how chilly it was down at College Green in Westminster this week. Well, it seems everyone caught the sniffles. Even our listeners, Mike in York, wins the period for the best start to a call. Uh, let's go to Mike, uh, who's in York. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Hiya, you all right? <laughs> Do you know, when I heard that, I thought it, I didn't think it was a sneeze. It was a laugh. <laughs> I think it's a sneeze, yeah. Uh, let's ho- let's head over to The Breakfast Show now, where Julia, uh, Hartley Brewer, of course, and sports reader Ben Fletcher win Impression of the Week for their take on Arsene Wenger. Well, he's calling on his old rival Arsene Wenger to go in the jungle, um, which, <laughs> God love Arsene Wenger. I don't think he'd be as entertaining as Harry Redknapp. I don't think he would be very I do not think I will be doing the Bush Tucker <laughs> trials this morning. Uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> How bizarre. <laughs> now, no, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> what, an Arnold's fortune? I was not expecting any impressions at all, but there we are. Yeah. How exciting. Um, back to the safety of the Independent mm. Republic. Uh, to earlier in today's show where Peter Foster flexed his linguistic skills and won the awesomest alliteration award. There is a single market. It's not a free trade area. There are the same rules in Berlin, in Barcelona, in Bonn, in Brussels and in Birmingham. Tremendous. How good was that? I wouldn't have been able to do that. No. Um, Back to the breakfast show. Uh, The King's Fund think tank uh, have received a perrier for uh, innovative... Sorry, innovative... I can't do that word. You can't say innovative. No. Why can't you? I just can't. You can't say innovative. Innovative. I've got it. Innovative gadget. They seem to have installed a security system that will flag up uh, when one of its staff members is speaking to Julia Hartley Brewer. The record levels of demand we're seeing the places of the country oh goodness <laughs> sorry me. i was thinking that's an nhs siren warning there that's rather scary <laughs> yeah, i think i think i'm in the middle of an evacuation of the building well we shall probably sorry. leave you at that point then now funnily enough i heard that this morning and i thought it was the alarm here and <laughs> oh, i'm really? thinking to myself no she's actually going to find that she's going to be evacuated because it's actually the alarm at talk towers oh, which usually fun. which used to go off every morning at the same time and nobody ever left the building. Remember, 8.15 <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something. Um, uh, well, unfortunately, uh, yeah, on yesterday's show, the regular production team couldn't make it. Yeah, they all went to a party the night before well, and couldn't be bothered getting out of do, bed. Nothing to do find. with the fact that the Christmas party was on the evening before. Mm. But uh, therefore, the B team were called in and they win <laughs> the Scapegoat of the Week award. But let's take some calls there, if you don't mind, Wes. Yeah. Just sit there for a moment. Dan in Wiltshire uh, wants to talk to us. Hello, Dan. Stan, sorry. Stan, my apologies, sorry. I blame the producer. It's true. Yeah, it was the only thing they did and they got it wrong, but never mind. (laughs) Uh, Time to uh, honour this award's namesake. Our friend Katie Perrier wins the Perrier for most unnecessary offer of the week. We just heard George Michael's face, which incidentally is my number one karaoke favourite. I know all the words off by heart. If you ever need that, I know this is a talk radio show, but if you ever need the music onto that, I'm your girl. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, you can hear Katie back you know. on talk radio on Sunday. Sunday morning, yes, absolutely. And I'm told she won't be doing any karaoke. Thank God for that. Uh, finally, mm. listener Pat in Stepney wins the final perio this week for the best memory for when he spoke to... um, Who is it again? So, look, I'm going to be candidly honest with you, uh, um, Mike. Mike. Go on. <laughs> It's like what I need is candid honesty. Because what I hate is candid dishonesty, to be yeah. honest. So I don't like that. Uh, well, that's it. There will be more uh, Perrier Awards given out next week. 
The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.